everybody. Welcome back to the Dragon's Library. I am so excited about today because I get to review something I've wanted to review for so long. And also something I just want to talk about in general, but I don't have anyone to talk about it with. It's the bio first Bionicle book I'm going to be reviewing. Um, okay, slight background for this. Because I made an entire episode to do this, so I have to, you know, keep going. <laughs> Alright. First up, for those of you who don't know what Bionicle is, I have recently started a new mini-series called The Reference Section. The first episode is currently out. It's about Bionicle. Go watch, go listen to it. Uh, it's really, it's one of my better pieces of work, I think. It does a pretty good job summarizing Bionicle. Uh, I'm going to be going through this review, assuming everyone has watched that video, so I'll be using terminology with the assumption that you've listened to that uh, episode, and, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah. Alright, uh, to get that out of the way, this is the review of Bionicle, uh, Adventure Number 10, Time Trap. So, uh, this is part of the second era of Bionicle, the adventure series, where we follow the Toa Metru, who are trying to protect their city from Makuta. This is before the first Chronicle series, and this is the last book in that series. Uh, so, basically, the Matoran will all put to sleep. Uh, the Toa, the new Toa group, uh, the Kama, Nokama, Onua, Winua, Nuju, and Matau have all saved the Matoran and brought them back to the island paradise Metronui. They came back and got all the ones they left behind and brought them in airships. They were briefly turned into monsters and, um, uh, called Hordika, Toa Hordika, and they cured themselves by finding this legendary Rahi that could, you know, save them. And yeah. You know, everything's good. But as they're leaving, Vakama uh, has to go back to the city on his own to fulfill the last thing they need to do. Or, more specifically, to fill in a plot hole. See, in the Chronicle series, Vakama had shown Toa Tahu, the, that era's Toa Fire, the legendary mask of time, which could allow the user to control time itself. It's really difficult to use, though, and most of the people who have used it have only been able to slow down time for a few minutes. Uh, because it's just too powerful. It threatens to lose control and unleash devastation around the user, or just sap them of their own time. But in the right hands, it could be a, a tool that would give one complete control over a fundamental aspect of existence. So, scary device. Uh, anyway, during the Battle of Makuta, it had actually been thrown into the ocean. So, the two of them, uh, so Vakama, specifically Vakama, goes to go retrieve it. He jumps out of the uh, airships and into the water surrounding Matranui. He manages to find the Vahi, the Konohi Vahi, the Mask of Time, and notices it's damaged. Everything around it is in a constant flux. Things are aging and de-aging at rapid paces all around the mask because it's been cracked. Uh, he manages very riskily to reforge it while underwater and, um, you know, goes to return to Matanui, the island of Matanui, to uh, bring it back with him. Unfortunately, he gets attacked by a dark hunter, uh, this creature called Boparak, who is able to control time to a certain extent. He was created to hunt down the mask. So he gets attacked, and he wakes up, but he's not a Toa anymore. He's a Matoran. And the Matoran who had helped them track down the, the uh, great disc that he used to create the Vahi have somehow become Toa themselves and are now running Matranui, uh, the evil plant monster, the... Uh, more, uh, God, I always pronounce this wrong. The Morbuzak is still around and causing lots of trouble, and he doesn't know what's going on. So, that's the premise of the book. You know, is it time travel? Is it something else? Who knows? But the book's called Time Trap, so that should tell you something. Um, 
And this unfolds into a greater mystery that helps to uh, reveal various things about Makama and the others becoming Toa, about the conflict that surrounds Metro Nui, and just in general helps Makama come to terms with his own inadequacies that he's been dealing with since the beginning. Now, I really like this book. I wouldn't have created an entire episode explaining the history of Bionicle just so I could review this book if I didn't really like this book. Uh, the author, Greg Farshi, has even said in a few interviews that he thinks it's his favorite of the books. And it's definitely the one that has some of the best writing. I mean, these are pretty, these are kid books. They're, you know, small little mini, mini scholastic books. They're not supposed to be the best written things in the world. And I will freely admit that most of them aren't that well written. Uh, the comics usually have better writing, but quite frankly, this is amazing. I love this book and I will always love this book because, uh, well, Partially because it's just really weird and out there compared to the others, and also because the ending is amazing. Like, oh, so good. I love this ending so much. Uh, but this isn't time for full spoilers yet. This is, you know, just the inst inciting incident and all that. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, I really liked it. It's a lot of fun. I think the main issue that's holding this book back for me personally and stopping me from recommending it to everyone is just that it's the 10th book in the second series of a larger franchise that you need to have some extra information about to really appreciate. And I get that. That's harsh. Uh, reading 10 smaller books is going to be a lot, you know. Uh, but I do think if, you, if you're willing to give them a chance, the books can be a lot of fun, and I would definitely recommend them. So, yeah. Uh, not a whole lot to say on, like, the regular side, because, again, it's mostly, yes, I really like this book. I've always loved this book. Um, I guess I can talk about the characters. Uh, Makuta shows up again. He's threatening and evil as usual. Uh, the, the writing for him has always had this kind of flair to me, partially because I, whenever I picture Makuta, I picture his voice from the movies, and I'm like, oh, God, this is, that person saying this will be so threatening. I'm terrified. Uh, and also just because he's so powerful, Vakama has to usually try and outsmart him rather than outfight him, which is a nice situation for a hero to be in. It's one of the reasons Makuta works so well as a villain for the Toa uh, is that he's always outclassed them so much on a physical level that they really have to work for their victories, and they have to do things other than just wield raw power. They have to outthink him, outsmart him, ruin his plans. Um, we also get to see the Dark Hunters, the leader of the Dark Hunters, uh, in the first part of the series, the Dark Hunters were two two Dark Hunters. They're basically mercenaries. Nidiki and Kreka had come to the city. Makuta killed them, and now their boss is out for revenge because how dare Makuta summon Dark Hunters and then uh, kill them? And so yeah, we're doing the whole mix of this, uh, you know, Dark Hunters going out for revenge. Makuta still plotting. Everybody's after the Mask of Time, and uh, Vakama's just kind of trapped in the middle, trying to get out of there with the, t the mask and prevent two really horrible people from getting hold of it. Uh, and also dealing with this, you know, trap. So, yeah. All in all, very good. Okay, we're going to go into the spoiler section. I know most of you probably don't care, because you're probably only listening to this out of mild curiosity, but hey, I just want to warn people. Okay, so it's not time travel. I know, I know, time trap, it's supposed to be time travel. No, it's not time travel. It's all this giant illusion that Makuta created to try and trick Vakama. The mask was damaged, he got knocked out and nearly drowned to death. Makuta saved him because he needed to know where the mask was, unaware that it had been taken from him. Um, and so he created this illusion to try and trick Vakama into revealing its origins. Vakama ends up thinking the mask of time might be the reason 
why he's been sent back. So he's the trick is, hey, we'll convince him to lead us to the mask, thinking he'll try and he'll try and think he needs to use it to get back to his own time. Um, I we don't really get a good glimpse of the other Matoran as Toa, which is probably the one downside. Although I never really cared about them that much. And in general, yeah, it's all pretty nice. Uh, the the illusion is very elaborate. He runs into several of his other his his teammates as Matoran. Uh, Onua is turned to a coward. Matau's dead. Uh, Nuju is pretty fearful because the entire city is on like it's like an even more of a police state than it was near the end there uh, when Makuta was in charge. So that's not great. And the Morbu Zak has definitely been ravaging the uh, city a lot harsher. Matau even got killed by it uh, in this you know illusionary world. Vakama thinks he's actually dead, so uh, he really has a desire to re- to fix everything. Anyway, um, he ends up teaming up with Okama to try and to try and um, go through the Great Temple, try and figure out what's going on. And they find information about Voparak, how he took the Vahi from Vakama, you know, how he was meant to track it down. In addition, uh, Vakama has this random vision with a future hero who tells him that he'll have to. Uh, he'll have to do the hardest thing possible in the future when six heroes need to go on a mission to the darkest places he can imagine and brave so many dangers. And he says, I'll have to lead them. It's like, no, Vakama. You'll have to send them there and know that you can only hope for their safety. And it's like, wow. Ouch, Vakama. Like, Vakama has a really hard time with this. Like, just throughout the entire series, he's kind of had, like, the worst possible life you can imagine. He was a he was a mass melt, uh, maker who got really famous, and so the Taraga himself made him gave him basically an impossible task to forge the mask of time, which the other Matoran seemed to think was kind of just a joke. Like, wow, he's really wasting your talents. Um, and then he gets, becomes a Toa, but in the process watches his hero die and starts having random visions from possibly the Great Spirit itself, telling him how he can save the Matoran. But he doesn't understand how he can save his city with those visions. He doesn't understand what they're trying to say. He goes on this big old quest to retrieve the mask and to stop these disasters. And then, when he finally gets to the, the Coliseum, the Taraka's like, Yeah, no, uh, JK, you're all traitors and you probably killed the Khan. So he's now hunted by the very city he loved. Have his team thrown in jail. <laughs> and then, he loses the entire city... Manages to save only six Matoran, brings him to a city, but when he comes back to try and save the rest, thinking he's finally got this hero thing down, uh-oh, he gets captured, imprisoned, turned into a monster, and has to spend the rest of the arc battling with his own anger, both towards himself and towards his team, who have been kind of going on to him about it the whole time, and blaming him for this whole mess, um, when he's just trying to do his best, and he never asked to be the leader to begin with. And then... When he finally manages to save them, he has to go back for one last thing. It's like, all right, I've come to terms. I know we weren't the, we weren't the heroes Matanui wanted, but we're the heroes he got. And we will protect his, you know, we will protect the Matoran as he would have wanted. Because the whole thing is that they found, uh, you know, carvings and symbols that say, suggest that the uh, Matoran who found the Great Disc were supposed to be the ones to become Toa. So, you know, all of it goes on. And in the end, well, in the end... <laughs> Uh, it just leads to him having to confront all of that. He learns from Karzani, a, um, a, uh, basically he was a prototype for the Morbuzak and has been, like, playing the role of it in Makuta's Illusions. 
So he learned from him that the Order of Matanui, a group who sworn to uphold only the Great Spirit's will, actually faked all that evidence, and they were the Mator- they were actually the Matoran who were supposed to come told all along, and actually was their destiny. Which I'm still a bit of a, I'm still not so sure about. It's like I would prefer something along the lines of Matanui's will is great, and he would have seen though only those. Uh, he would have convinced only those of good heart to become Toa or something like that. But then again, I guess it doesn't really square with the rest of the plot, so I guess it's fine. And then we get to the really good part. At the very end, we get this big battle between the Dark Hunters and Teradax, uh, Makuta Teradax and Vakama. And they, you know, have the big showdown. Vakama gets to show off some of his firepowers. Makuta gets to act threateningly. The Shadow One gets to almost kill a few people. Uh... And then, after the Shadow One's defeated, Makuta ends up confronting Vakama. And OMG, that confrontation is the best part of this entire book. Okay, I really need to set the scene for you here. So, Vakama has the mask and knows Makuta's coming for him. He knows he also cannot beat Makuta. He knows this as an absolute fact. He cannot win against Makuta. Not on his own. He barely beat him when Makuta was really weakened from having just defeat, you know, put Slim Matanui to slumber and trying to suppress the wills of those he had absorbed. So, and that was with the whole team of Toa behind him. So he does the only thing he can. Realizing that the mask was destroyed, it might destroy all of time itself and render their world basically undone, he threatens Makuta. He takes the mask and puts it next to several other destroyed masks at a kind of uh, junkyard area. And when Makuta shows up, he smashes one of the masks, one of the broken ones, and warns him not to come any further. And he holds up the hammer and says, If you do not leave us and the Matoran alone, give up and leave our city and our allies here unhurt, I will destroy the mask. I would rather the Matoran live in a timeless wasteland than be slaves to you. And Makuta believes him, like... Vakama's been through some shit at this point. You know, turned into a monster, watched his whole city destroyed, all that stuff. And he's just had enough. So he tells Makuta that he will destroy the mask if he doesn't back off. Now, Makuta says he will not linger in, in shadow. He will not wither and die in the shadows. But he's unwilling to let Vakama destroy the mask. So at the last second, he gives him an offer. He'll send Vakama back to his teammates. He will stay watch over Metro Nui for one year. He will give the Matoran one year of safety. The, for, until they, until, for the rest of time, so long as they do not interfere with him, the Toa's allies in Metro Nui, those who have survived, like the Rahaga and Kitongu, will be left alone. As long as they don't get in his way, he won't hurt them. And he will give the Matoran one year. One year of safety. And then I will come. And they agree. They make a bargain. And next thing he knows, Vakama's standing at the gateway to the, uh, to the island above. And it just ends. It just ends like that. It goes to, you know, Vakama and then finally returning to Metro Nui, because these have been a bunch of tales that they had been uh, told around the campfire. And this was the one, this one was the one that wasn't actually a tale Vakama told. This was just him remembering that final adventure he and he alone went through. Um, and Owens, oh, I just love it. I, this book, is the best. I freaking love it so much. And, yeah, the rest, most of the book is kind of, you know, this weird, alt, possible alt history thing in the mystery of Houdanit, which is always really intriguing. I like those kind of plots. But really, it's the ending. I can't deny that it's the ending that gets me going. It's just fantastic. Um, Bakuda and Vakama have this really interesting villain, hero, and 
uh, kind of, you know, uh, relationship going on. Makuta is always seen in the comma as this lesser creature, but he has to admit that he's managed to foil his plots to a certain extent on occasion. But at the same time, he's kind of haughty because I have plots upon plots that you could not even comprehend the comma. And you do get the sense that Makuta does, to a certain small degree, respect the comma. I mean, he wouldn't have even tried that, you know, false offer of peace during their battle when he first showed off the Mask of Time, if not. Uh, he really does kind of respect Vakama as a lesser being for what he's managed to accomplish. And it's like, and at the same time, Vakama is this Toa who started out very naive, very unsure of himself, but has grown into his power. He didn't, he didn't start as a hero, but he was thrust into that role and learned to be one uh, after all these adventures. And he's finally standing up to the greatest evil his team ever faced, all alone in a city filled with monsters and death. And it's just wonderful. It's just a wonderful uh, story. Far better than Bionicle was actually deserved, but I'm really glad we got it. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see here. So, on Friday, I'm going to be reviewing the Shadow and Bone Netflix series. Uh, I actually really liked it, and I actually started reading the book series after that, so you might get a review for that whole series if I have time as well. And then on the Friday, and then on the Tuesday after that, uh, we will have a review of Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, which is gonna, I mean, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, sorry. It's based on Shang-Chi and the Master of Kung Fu. It's a, uh, Marvel comic series made movie. So that's gonna be really fun. Can't wait for both those. Really excited. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to our Buy Me a Coffee page in the show notes. Uh, just donate a dollar if you want, or if you'd like, you can also become a two dollar member, member and get these, uh, podcasts a week early through our Discord channel called The Reading Room. I'd really like to see some more people on there. So please, just check it out. If you feel like you don't want to, you like the show, you know, just donate. It really helps me out. All right, see you guys next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at Dragon underscore library two. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.